we do a really good job at talking ourselves into things, but your body always knows. So if your body is saying, I feel bad more often than I feel good in this relationship, that's something to look at. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host, and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of Amplify. Today I sit down with Kristen Cipriano, formerly Kristen Kosinski, who is a business mindset, manifestation and energetics coach who empowers women to master the principles of manifestation so that they can create their dream life business, income, and impact with more ease. Combining modalities such as NLP, somatic healing, energetics, and awakening practices, Kristen supports women in integrating past traumas and embodying worthiness and abundance so calling in their desires becomes natural. While many manifestation mentors encourage people to manage their thoughts, Kristen takes the unique approach of guiding her clients into the body and back to their true nature of love, abundance, and joy, allowing them to manifest from a more relaxed energy that doesn't feel forced or fabricated. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. What's up, everybody? I'm so, so excited for this interview with Kristen. As you heard, I've got our latest guest, Kristen Cipriano, formerly Kristen Kaczynski. Kristen, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. <laughs> I know. I know. If you guys, so the again, Kristen and I recorded a juicy, juicy interview last week that was like almost an hour and a half. It was so freaking good. And I fucked up the audio somehow. The audio file was not salvageable and I had several people try and, and rescue it. It was completely my fault. We've done plenty of tests today, but you know what? Hey, <laughs> shit happens sometimes. So to get us started, we're going to dive into some rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is something you're grateful for right now? And let's see if these answers are different from last week. I'm so curious. They are different. I feel like right now I'm grateful for sandwiches. <laughs> okay. Fun fact, y'all. Last week, Kristen was grateful for amazing sex with her husband, which I'm assuming is still on the list. But this week, there's oh. clearly some great sandwiches happening too. <laughs> this week, we're more in the food vibe. <laughs> okay. I like it. Or like basic human needs. Amazing. Yeah. amazing. What is a guilty pleasure of yours? Ooh. What is a guilty pleasure of mine? I feel like having like a luxurious day where I just do whatever the fuck I want, like take a bath, go to the pool, 
you know, watch reality TV, do anything I want and just know that I can do that whenever I want, like even on a Wednesday. Yes. I love it. And that's one of the beautiful things about being an entrepreneur is, or at least like an online entrepreneur in our world is like, oh, it's, it's a Tuesday. Like literally this morning I went and got a mani-pedi because I was like, I would like my nails done before some meetings on Wednesday and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? We're going to go get them done at 9.30 a.m. then on a Tuesday. Random, right? (laughs) I'm into it. I love it. And I love that like we can get like furniture delivered and like walk our dogs in the middle of the day. I mean, entrepreneur lifestyle is the way to go. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Not for everybody, but fuck yeah, it's awesome. What is a random fact that not many people would know about you? Hmm. Oh, so I'm like really charismatic and like talkative and open now. But when I was growing up, I was so shy and like was not really popular and always felt like I was on the outside. And now I'm like, no, I'm on the inside. Spotlight's on me. Watch, bitch. (laughs) No, no, not anymore. (laughs) If you weren't doing what you do now, what kind of job or career like would you explore what's something you've always been curious about or is looked like really interesting to you? So I feel like it's the same as what I said last week, which is I okay. think I'd be a stripper slash sugar baby. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. A really good stripper or sugar baby. Wait, tell me more about that. Why? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I met my husband when I was 21 and fell madly in love and it was, you know, everything clicked. And I was also kind of looking for a husband But I feel like I have this untapped potential in terms of my sexuality that I didn't necessarily take advantage of before I met my husband because part of my sexual liberation happened with him. You know, I wasn't really as open and empowered as I am now. So, yeah, I mean, if I weren't in love and married to my husband, I would probably test out the powers of my sexuality and get paid massive amounts of money for it because why not? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Right. Monetize that shit. And what did you want to be when you were little? Hopefully not exactly the same answer as before. (laughs) Well, I wanted to be rich. I mean, maybe. Okay. So like (laughs) we have themes, we have themes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Rich and famous, like in any capacity or like I think I envisioned myself as being like a movie movie star actress or like a triple th- triple threat like singer dancer movie star. Oh, same. Yeah, because yeah. I I was a dancer growing up from like age three to eighteen. Like went hardcore competitions. Yeah, you know eyelashes with rhinestones on them, zigzag hair part sequins, the whole shebang. <laughs> but yeah, I always envisioned like being like a, like a Harry Styles or a Taylor Swift, you know, doing all the things and being uh, all yeah, the like, things. yeah, like fucking JLo, right? Like, like, oh my gosh, I see, I see that. I hear you. Any weird talents or special skills? Weird talents or special skills? Well, I I'm very good at deep tracking energy and it's actually a gift that emerged over time as I healed some of my own trauma but I can, I can like sense where people's energy is flowing and like where they need additional support and healing. And, you know, I know how to guide them to connecting into the universal energies of unconditional love and abundance and all these things. And yeah, so that's definitely a hidden talent. (laughs) 
Okay. So <laughs> deep tracking. That's like, I'm, I don't think I've heard of that before. Super cool. One of the gifts, and I know we're going to get into this a bit. It's one of the gifts of like the empathic, like yeah. type when you, you know, heal the parts of it that are, you know, kind of in their shadow side, you open up this bigger capacity to be able to be in the gifts of that energy type, you know, empathic. So yeah, it's, it's something we actually all have the capacity to do. It just depends on if we're tapped in and aware of it, or if we still have to move through some things to become aware of it. Very cool. Yeah. More on that for sure. When is the last time that you cried? (laughs) It's funny because we recorded this last week and I think I said like two days ago and I think that's still accurate. (laughs) Like, I think I cry like every other day. Yeah. Uh, Me, I'm like 45 minutes ago. Great. (laughs) We may have shed a tear like 45 minutes ago but like a full-on cry a couple days ago yeah I could cry now (laughs) but when's the last time that you laughed so hard you almost peed your pants I mean anything that comes out of my husband's mouth he's so funny you know it's one of those things where he's so committed to the joke that he'll keep going until he gets the laugh and sometimes it's really not funny but just the the fact that he's so committed the commitment <laughs> makes it funny like you just like have to I love that. yeah you get to that point where you can't resist anymore <laughs> amazing oh that's so good like being with someone who's funny yes 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 what's your favorite meal uh, I love decadence I love like a good steak like a wagyu mm. I love truffles I love chocolate souffle (laughs) this fun fact I used to be a vegetarian and like for a hot second I was vegan and then I realized my body just wasn't responding to that type of diet so I like slowly introduced meat back in and now it's like my favorite fucking thing in the world (laughs) like all the steak all the truffle butter all the decadence same oh my gosh I did like a like two months of pretty carnivore diet not like animal based, I'll say it wasn't strict carnivore. And I was obsessed with it and it felt so good. And I still pretty much am like eating more that way anyway, but like more flexibly. Oh, so good. I could never give up meat. Not anymore. What? I tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Where is the next place that you want to travel to? Well, we are going to Paris in the spring, but mm-hmm. since that's already like for sure. Like that's on the books. We're booking flights pretty soon. I think the next place that I'm like, I want to make space for is Greece. I really want to go to Santorini, um, you know, Mykonos, all of the Greek islands and just be in that lifestyle for a bit. Yes. Uh, Same. Like Mykonos is high on my list right now. And especially because I feel like so many, everyone's going there right now. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I want to, Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That is all of our rapid fire and what I would love to just start us off with. So as everybody heard from the intro, you spent several years doing business coaching before you switched to doing, you know, energetic, somatic work, NLP stuff, mentoring female entrepreneurs and coaching female entrepreneurs on manifestation and all of that, which I know is like so beautifully aligned and like exactly what you're meant to be doing. How did you come to that decision of like, no, this isn't the thing, like doing more the business coaching, like that's not it. And how did that decision process look with trusting yourself to jump into what, you know, what you were truly meant to be doing and what was in more alignment for you? 
Yeah. So this is one of those things where as much as I wanted to cling to business coaching and strategy, it was kind of like the universe wasn't giving me any other choice. You know, early on in the pandemic, I, well, first I had an emotional breakdown, I think as we all did. <laughs> like March, 2020, RIP. <laughs> yeah. So I had a pretty intense emotional breakdown. As part of that emotional breakdown, I actually awoke to my own trauma, which was deeply repressed. And this is the funny thing about trauma is I had this knowing that I was in an abusive relationship, but I was so deeply repressing it for years. Like, I think it took like five to seven years before I actually acknowledged it that I would say, you know, I was in an abusive relationship, but like had never processed, had never felt the feelings. Like I would say it just like as a fact, like I had already moved through it and moved past it. But the truth is I had never actually like processed those feelings and that experience. And so when March, 2020 hit and the pandemic hit, the universe was like, no more. <laughs> like, gotta look at your shit. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think it all came up for you then? Well, you know, I, I'm quite spiritual now. At the time I was not, but now I believe it was all kind of like part of my evolution, my spiritual growth, because it's when my Saturn return started, you know, I'm, I'm 20, how old am I? 28 now. And so, you know, March, 2020, I had just turned 27 and that's when the Saturn return really starts. It was also, you know, my Saturn return really deeply aligns with when that relationship happened. Like there was this part during my Saturn cycle that happened during that abusive relationship. And I think it also happened because I had compromised willingly. I had compromised my sense of safety by quitting my corporate job and starting a business. And I think that's more common than people realize. And I think it's something that a lot of women who try to start a business or they do start a business and then they get into it and they're like, why am I a workaholic? Why am I not sleeping? Why do I have so much anxiety? Why am I getting so emotional about one person saying they're not going to sign up? You know, it's not necessarily the actual business that is causing that. It's just that the business and the choice to start the business you know, kind of like stirred up your sense of safety. You lost a sense yeah. of safety because you quit your corporate job or whatever you were doing before that was safe and secure. And if you haven't established safety within your own body, now you're like untethered and you're like floating around in this risky endeavor. And of course, all of your repressed trauma is likely to come up and it's going to come up in ways where it looks like it's the business that's the problem. And this is very much true for me. Like I thought the business was the problem, but really it was all of the, the stuff I hadn't processed from my past. That was the problem. It was just presenting itself as the business because that's how yeah. our trauma likes to work. I love that. And I took a note on, you know, establishing safety in your own body, which I do want to talk about in a second. How did you know when you started taking steps in the direction of mentoring women, the energetics manifestation, all of that, how did you know that that was the right thing? Like, how, what did that feel like? What like signs did you see? Like, just how was that affirmed that it was the right thing for you to do? <laughs> well, it's actually really funny in retrospect, but you know, I kept trying to use like strategy and, and use like learning new strategies as my way of like feeling worthy of making money in my business and signing clients. And it was, you know, whenever I would kind of like give that up and like release it and surrender and just be like, you know what, it'll happen when it happens. 
that's when okay. I would sign a fucking client. <laughs> so it was this really funny balance of, you know, working really, really, really hard, trying to prove myself, trying to prove my worthiness, hustling for my worthiness and almost nothing happening, or it always felt like not enough. And then getting to this place of like acceptance and love and realizing, okay, you know what, I'm going to put this down for a minute. I'm going to relax. I'm going to live my life. And then receiving so much abundance just from that choice. And it took me a long time to be able to trust that because as a non-spiritual person who was just entering into the world of spirituality at the time, I didn't have a lot of faith in the unknown. I didn't have a lot of trust. And so it was a lot of like trial and error, a lot of like calibrating to a new reality, but I just kept seeing more and more evidence that the more I focused on myself and focused on filling up my own cup and feeling good in my own body and safe in my own body and lit up and excited for what I wanted to do in business, it kind of didn't matter what strategy I used or what action steps I took. The strategy and the action steps were all effective when I was in that alignment. But when I was Mm. out of that alignment and I was coming from a place of unworthiness, it's like nothing I could do could bridge that gap. And so I just really started seeing that clear evidence on both sides and obviously chose the easier path. (laughs) Right. Had you ever felt that sense of like trust or like, you know what, it's going to happen when it's going to happen when you were in the business coaching space or just when you kind of started shifting? Yeah. So this was a much later realization, like two years after it actually happened, I had this realization, but from the moment I decided to start my business, I was supported. And when I look back, I actually notice different like milestones in my business where maybe I was still hustling for my worthiness, but I was actually still receiving so much freaking support without even knowing it. For example, my husband's a doctor. And in the medical field, you have a match process, right? So when you're going from medical school to residency or residency to fellowship, in his case, it's a match, which means a computer algorithm tells you where you end up. So the exact time I wanted to start my business, he ended up matching with a university hospital in Long Island, New York, where they actually offered subsidized housing. And we were granted the subsidized housing. So It was like the most divine, perfect timing, because I remember leaving my job, my corporate job in Philadelphia and feeling so miserable and walking out and saying to myself, this cannot be my life. Like being in this job, doing this work that I don't love, that I'm not passionate about, this cannot be all there is. And in that moment, I decided, you know what? I'm 25 years old. I'm going to quit my job and just see if I can make this business idea I have happen. And Literally, I was pulling out my phone to text my husband. He was my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, going to say, I think I'm going to quit my job. Except as I was typing the message, he texts me and says, we got the subsidized housing. It's only $600 per month. And like, (laughs) as a person who's like quitting her job to start her business with like, you know, two incomes going down to one income, that was like the fucking best news ever. And like the biggest confidence boost to like go forward with it. Okay. I look at moments like that and I recognize like we're always supported, even if we don't believe we are, it's just a matter of what awareness we're coming from. And if we're able to actually witness how deeply supported we are, because when we're trapped in our trauma, we're stuck in the past, right? We're stuck in a version of ourselves that 
wasn't supported or didn't know how to be in her power or didn't know how to feel safe or didn't know how to get her needs met. And so when we're stuck in our trauma, we can't see what's happening in the present moment for what it is, which is infinite support from the universe if you're available for it. So I don't know if that answered your question. I kind of forgot what your no, question I like, No, no, it's okay. I like that. I like that though. Yeah. And I think when we start to follow our intuition, listen to our gut and from a, you know, obviously from a place of alignment, like we see those synchronicities and things line up and you get that confirmation of like, yeah, you're on like, yes, you're on the right path. See, like, yeah. see, I love that. So something that we dove into a lot on round one of the interview, which absolutely we're going to jump into again today is, is talking about your experience dating a psychopath and all the big lessons that you learned from that around boundaries, self-worth, like all shit, all the things. And so to start out with that, we can kind of, and, and I'm going to say this for both of us, right? Like neither Kristen or I are experts in psychology in narcissism, psychopathy, like any of that kind of stuff. So this is just from our own deep research and personal experiences, what we're about to share but let's like define a few things, or at least from like our perspectives, how we understand them, like whether it's a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, all of that. Cause unfortunately, so you and I both being empaths, like empaths, and I'm sure many people listening, like, unfortunately, likely are like, are often magnets for narcissistic personality types. Right. And while these three are all different, like there are a lot of overlapping things. And so really like the thing that unifies all three of those. So narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths is an inability to feel empathy. Right. And so narcissists are typically operating from like deep shame and guilt and like deep, 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 deep unworthiness, deep feeling that they're not good enough and that they have to be perfect, all this. So they put up very, like very carefully crafted facade and masks and this like whole public facing front facing persona. That's like complete bullshit, but like of like how amazing they are and like very controlling all that kind of stuff. Whereas sociopaths similarly do not experience empathy narcissists and sociopaths, I believe are typically more a product of their environment, right? So a lot of trauma at an early age, whereas sociopaths are, I don't know, I would say like less socially adjusted. I mean, all of these are like major antisocial personality disorders. So there, none are really socially adjusted, but I feel like sociopaths like are kind of easier to spot. Whereas psychopaths are very charming, very very manipulative can, yeah. And can like function quote unquote, well, right. Like in society to a certain extent and with all of this to, and so, and my understanding of psychopaths, yes, also a product of environment, but there is a lot more going on with like how their brains like genetically and stuff like that. But with all of these, like there can be like, people can be narcissistic or sociopaths or psychopaths and not be violent, right? Like it doesn't mean that they're all like serial killers or anything like that. And some can like, there are people who have these personality disorders who are super self-aware as well and like recognize that they have this disorder. And so they're able to like 
operate in a way that doesn't hurt others, but all three of these things are things that never be healed. Like if you're diagnosed with one of these personality disorders, like that's a done deal for life. Like they operate differently than the majority of people. So yeah, I just talked for a while, but yeah. So tell me a bit about, let's hear it a bit about your experience dating a psychopath, because interestingly, when you and I talked last week about it more, and I even did a little bit more research afterwards, because I went through a whole like new layer of shadow work in July around my own patterns with narcissists and realized, oh, that man I was involved with last year, I'm pretty sure he was actually a psychopath, not a narcissist. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, there's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. So yes. <laughs> let's, let's unpack some of it. Yeah. So my spiritual experience with a psychopath and and also with all of these personality types because I've actually encountered I think except sociopath I've encountered all of these personality types at various times in my life so I think yes there's the deepest forms of these personality types but I think it also exists on a spectrum and that's something Absolutely. to really do like yes depending on the generational trauma, which is, I think, where it starts to move more into the DNA as if it's many generations of abuse. You know, someone may be deep in their disorder or they may wear it lightly and it may just come out when under stress. And what's interesting about all this is none of us are innocent. And I think that's important to realize, right? Like, All of us have a little like aspect of us that can come out when we're under extreme stress or in a traumatic situation. And we all just went through a pandemic. So I would not be surprised if a lot of people feel like they're not, you know, connected to their heart in the same way that maybe they were before, or they feel more fear than they normally do. And they notice that they're lashing out in ways that ordinarily wouldn't be typical for them. And, you know, I started to notice this within myself. And for me, it actually did come from dating a psychopath, right? Dating someone who is deep in that pattern, deep in their own trauma there, Um, likely generations of trauma passed down. And, you know, in the moment, I was really excited to be dating this person because, you know, they are very charming and, and they do have a way of knowing exactly what to say and they can really see you in a powerful way and it it can be a really interesting mirror to experience as someone who has low self-worth because they kind of have a radar. And I think energetically, they have a radar of of noticing, okay, this person is a good person to get with or person to take advantage of, right? And so it's interesting because through that experience, I got two experiences out of that relationship. The first was I realized how utterly worthless it was possible for me to feel. And then the flip side was how fucking worthy I actually am. And that came through the grieving process that came through the healing that came through reclaiming that experience as not something that I was a victim to, which is originally how I felt it was, but it's something that I got to grow through and actually led to my spiritual awakening. So all in all, it was a good experience now. And I can say that y'all, this is like eight years later. So <laughs> if you're in the thick yeah. of trauma, it's okay if you're not here yet. But I think there's something too, where 
we kind of get stuck in this victim role if we are in a, an abusive relationship, even if we're really, truly powerful people. And I, I tend to believe we all are. And, you know, there's the healing and the grieving process that must occur where you do have to feel like you are the victim in that moment. But in some ways, I think we kind of keep people in that victim role. Because I, I know for me, like, part of the reason why I couldn't process my abusive relationship for so long was because I didn't identify as a victim. And, and uh, I thought to myself, like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm not a battered woman. Why did I go through it? And actually, that was a big thing that kept me stuck in the relationship for so long was I didn't see myself as a battered woman. And yet uh -huh. I was stuck in the relationship. So it was it was really confusing. And like, I didn't have clarity about where I belonged. Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic. And, you know, it's something I'm still kind of grappling with because I've, you know, reclaimed my title as a sovereign being over the course of many years. But I think it's important to realize that, you know, I'm a smart fucking girl. And I think smart fucking people can get into abusive relationships. And it's not all that uncommon. In fact, I think it's more common than most people are willing to admit. And it doesn't label you as a victim or as someone who is stupid or doesn't know their worth. And I think that's sometimes a label we can put on ourselves when we're in that situation. And especially because it can be a repetitive cycle where we're in relationship after relationship after relationship of abuse or of, you know, codependency or whatever it is. Right. And I think what I just really started to realize as I went through my own healing journey was, you know, that experience was meant for me to grow through and to really realize how powerful I truly am. It was not meant to pigeonhole me into this role of battered woman because that's never who I was and that's never who I was born to be. And I think part of my mission now is really changing the narrative about what happens after abuse. Because I think for a long time, the general consensus in society has been to, you know, really support the person who's in the, in the victim role. And I think that's important for a time period, but where does that victim go afterward? Right? Like how does the victim transform into the survivor and then the sovereign being who fucking thrives? Right? Like, I think we all want to see that progression. And, yeah. you know, part of that comes from realizing that in some ways we're learning and we're served by abusive relationships. I know I was, I learned from that experience that I'm so much more powerful and resilient than I ever believed I was before that. And I have so much heart than I ever knew I could have and so much compassion and so much empathy. And now I have boundaries, right? <laughs> so now I use that in a very healthy and supportive and connected way, like with clients, with my husband and everything. And, you know, I do think that was something I had before the relationship, but I didn't have boundaries before the relationship. Yeah. And so, you know, that relationship taught me discernment. It taught me boundaries. Mm -hmm. It taught me how to know what my yes is and what my no is. And I think so many women just don't even know what their yes or their no is. So many women don't know where their boundaries are. And part of that, I think, is not knowing your true worth as a human being. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about all of that of like, you know, it's there's responsibility on both sides. Absolutely. Like being able to see the blessing in it, the opportunity, the growth in it as well. And like the like massive confusion and stuff too, because I know for me, you know, this was, I had a situation with a man. It was 
it was like mm, six months or so, but the majority of it was distant. So like I very consciously, because I was like, oh, like this, now this is long distance. Like I am not going to allow myself to get to a certain place emotionally, or like, I'm not, I'm like, was more aware of my boundaries because there was distance. Had there not been, I think I probably wouldn't have so much because I'm like, no, I need in-person connection. So if we're not seeing each other right now, like, and you're like across the fucking country, like you're only getting access to like so much of me. Right. And in the beginning, right. It was so bizarre because I'm like, within the first week, I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, and this was last year, 2021. So I'm like, I have done a ton of healing. I'm super fucking like tapped into myself, like understand my worth, like all this. And so even like, as this started and again, like very charming could basically like read my mind, which I'm not used to like men being able to do. I'm like, wow, I'm going to like learn a lot from this man. Like, you know, instead of me being the one that the person's like, Oh, I'm going to learn so much from you, which is usually the case. And I'm like, wow, like you're so interesting. You're so fucking smart, like very successful, very handsome, like all that. So charming. And within the first week I was like, Oh, I'm being love bombed right now. But like, I know that I am. So I'm like, it's okay because I'm not going to fall for it right? Like that was the mind fuck that happened. And then noticing like, as it's going on again, me being like, Oh, but I have like good boundaries. I'm not, I'm not in love with this man. Right. But then being like, but wait, I'm super fucking attached in like a addictive way. Right. Where like when the attention was on and I'm getting what I want and I'm being like, you know, whatever, like it felt like crack. Right. But then like when it wasn't, it felt really like yucky right and just like not and so it was so interesting coming out of that because I was like I don't think like I wasn't heartbroken or anything like that but I'm like after the fact being like oh shit that actually I got really manipulated way more than I realized I had right and so seeing how I was absolutely responsible in so many ways, of course, like with my own boundaries, not trusting, like not listening to my gut when it was like, Hey, bitch, this is going on. Hey, that's your boundary. You're just going to ignore it. Okay. Hey, you asked for this and you didn't get right. Like, and so noticing, Oh, because I was like, Oh, the like idea of him and this relationship that, you know, was bullshit and talked about was amazing, but not real and was never going to be real. Right. And so very interesting, especially as like a super self-aware person to be like, oh, I got like really fucking, like I got duped and it could have been so much worse, right? It could have been like so much worse and still like, I felt really fucking stupid too for a while, like after that. And I think that's important to verbalize because you and I are both incredibly smart, successful women. And I think you entered into this as a successful woman for me, you know, I always was smart and like knew that, you know, knew what I wanted in life. But when I entered in the relationship, I was quite a bit younger. So I wasn't successful in my career yet. But, you know, I think it's important to recognize that it's, it's not dumb people that get into these relationships because I think it's so invalidating that we're keeping this like battered woman, like, oh, she doesn't like, she doesn't understand what she's doing to herself, like narrative alive. Because I think in a lot of ways, we know exactly what we're doing to ourselves when we're in it, but we don't know how to get out of it. And I think that's such an important distinction because if you at least know that you're 
not dumb for falling for it, that it's not your fault for getting manipulated and that you're not like destined to be a victim forever. Now you have that little bit of empowerment to seek out other resources to potentially get out of the relationship, right? And I think it's it's important to recognize that narcissists, psychopaths, the manipulation is very subtle and it builds mm-hmm. over time. And, you know, for me in particular, I got gaslit. So yes. gaslighting yes, is when, you know, the person you're with who's abusing you with gaslighting makes little moves to cause you to question your sanity, like little statements, little adjustments. They'll often use things like physical evidence to prove something that is not true. Like they'll create physical evidence or they'll use physical evidence. I know at one point when I was deep in the relationship and I was trying to fight for my rights, right? As a person who deserves to be treated well. And I was saying, you know, you don't love me. You don't treat me well. And then he like, pulled out his fucking credit card statement. And it's like hilarious to look back on this now. But at the time he pulled out his credit card statement and he highlighted everything that he had spent on me. And then he showed it to me and he said, look at that and tell me I don't love you. And so, you know, it's confusing because in your body, you're like, I don't feel love in my body, but there's all this physical evidence that they're presenting to show that they love you. And I think that's where it's really important to recognize, like, trust your body, trust what your body feels over anything anyone is saying to try to manipulate you. Because the whole time the manipulation and the gaslighting was happening for me, I knew something was wrong. Like I could feel it. I didn't know what it was. And it took a lot of processing and healing to like emerge from that consciousness that like false consciousness that was literally created by the gaslighting. But I knew the whole time that I was in it, that something was wrong. And so, you know, if you are like currently in a relationship where you don't feel safe, like trust what your body feels, even if your mind is like, oh, but he loves me or, oh, but look at this nice thing that he did. We do a really good job at talking ourselves into things but your body always knows. So if your body is saying, I feel bad more often than I feel good in this relationship, that's something to look at. And I think whether it's a clinical psychopath or just, you know, a dirt bag that you're dating, (laughs) I think that's what really matters is, you know, learning how to trust the signals of your body because your body can tell if someone is manipulating you, if you tune in and notice. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it's, I love that you said that, right? The the mind versus the body, because sometimes they're not on the same page, right? And one can be off or the other can be off, right? But similarly with me, right? My brain would be like, oh, but like, he's a really busy surgeon or, oh, but like this happened and then this happened and then this happened. So like, okay, you know, but then being like, no, but I'm also like, not like my needs aren't being met. I don't like, this doesn't feel good to me, but the brain trying to like convince otherwise. Right. And so much of that too, was from like his gaslighting of being like, you know, I would get called selfish if I needed more attention and stuff like that. Don't you understand how busy and stressed I am? And like, you're the highlight of my day. And then to get on the phone with you and you're like complaining about stuff. I'm like, what, like, (laughs) what, right. Like I'm, no, I'm just asking, like, I'm asking for more things so we can like both feel good in this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So very interesting when, 
you know, the brain and the body aren't really on the same page. And yeah, if your body's telling you something, like, especially us women, like our bodies are really fucking smart. So with that, like, and yes, a lot of empathic women, women who have struggled with unworthiness Mm -hmm. get drawn to these kinds of men or these kinds of men are attracted to these kinds of women, right? Because from both sides, right? And we talked about this a little bit before, but like there, all of this stuff exists on a spectrum, right? And so you can exhibit narcissistic traits, qualities, and not be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, like all of that. And like the opposite, right? If you're an empath with terrible boundaries and not really self-aware, you're going to get manipulated like so easily and be very, you know, falling victim to these kinds of people will be very easy. And it's almost like each end of the spectrum, like has a, is magnetized to the other, right? Because the empaths, the empaths are like, oh, I like, I have so much love and energy to give, like I'll pour into you. And like, my love will help heal you and fix you because I can see the hurt little kid that's in there. I can see the wounded child. So let me just love you back to health. Right. And then the like narcissists, like, like that end of the spectrum, like they're right. Like operating on only what is best for them. And that is it. And trying to fill this like deep, deep void, like a black hole, basically, like for a narcissist, like shame, guilt, unworthiness, all of that. Psychopaths, I think have some of that too, but like, they're trying to fill a void that they're never going to fill. And, and with like the kind of traits like empathy, like love, like confidence, like general, whatever it is that they don't have. So it's like this perfect host parasite type of relationship, I feel like. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think that's why we have to put responsibility on both sides. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think it's really tempting and listen, I was the empath in the relationship. So it's really tempting Mm -hmm. to be like, well, I did nothing wrong. And I don't believe I did anything wrong, but I do believe I didn't have boundaries. And that was on me. That was my responsibility. And I see that. And I think that's something that we have to recognize. Like we, if we stay in this energy of I'm the innocent one and I did nothing wrong, like, yes, you did nothing wrong in terms of abusing the other person, but you did wrong by yourself, right? Yeah. Like that's something I really had to realize, like I wasn't there for me, like yes. maybe I didn't do anything to hurt anyone, but I wasn't there for myself. And right. yeah, self-enabling, right? Like, oh, here, like even with me, like here's my boundary. I'll let him slide on it. Yeah. Many, many times until when I actually was like, no, I should have reinforced that boundary. I should have reinforced that boundary. So I'm going to try to now it was bullshit, right? Like I get laughed at because I'm like, well, yeah, you have a point because I didn't enforce any boundaries up until now. And now we're like months into this. So yeah, yeah, of course it's silly of me to try and enforce any sort of boundary. Yeah. I think from a spiritual sense, we're attracted to, you know, our counterpart to heal and learn and, you know, establish things like boundaries. But yeah, I mean, in a very simple sense, I think it's the law of polarity. Like we attract the thing we need the most and, you know, I needed the most boundaries. And so I attracted someone who completely violated my boundaries. So I had no choice, but to learn. Okay. I need this. Yeah. And similarly, you said this before, like even for me, like I'm still so grateful for that experience and that human, like it was tough. And like, there were a lot of 
big, deep lessons that I needed to learn. And I needed to apparently learn them in a very intense way. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, sometimes the like whispers or the little, you know, nudges aren't quite enough, right? I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So yeah, so still can see like all that I got out of that dynamic, right? And grateful for the growth that it, it brought. So on the theme of unworthiness, where, at least in your experience with the types of women that you work with, because you work with a lot of like high performing CEOs, entrepreneurs who have lots of worthiness, you know, get to play with their unworthiness. Where do you see like the root of that most, right? Like what's, or what's the most common root cause of unworthiness in your experience? Yeah. I mean, we talked about this last week and my answer is the same. You know, I think the biggest pattern I see, I mean, especially empaths, like the pat- the energetic pattern of an empath is to merge, right? And merging is an energetic construct that we form in the breastfeeding stage of infancy with mom. So if there was a rupture in our early infancy with mom, if we didn't get enough attention because mom was a high achieving worker, right? (laughs) If we didn't get enough skin to skin contact, or if there was a rupture in the ability to get nourishment from breast milk, then an infant baby who has no like ego mind to be able to figure out what the hell happened only feels there's not enough, right? Like the somatic experience of that baby was I didn't get enough. There's not enough. Every time I reach for more, there's not enough for me. And so when that's the feeling that's imprinted in the body and the energetic system, we play that out until we learn how to heal that. And we can play that play that out in a lot of ways. For me, it showed up, of course, in love, as we talked about, but it, it also very much showed up in my business where I, you know, would work really hard expecting to receive money, but no matter how hard I worked, it wasn't enough or no matter how much money I made, it wasn't enough, right? And I had to do a lot of work to be able to develop this capacity to feel the abundance, to feel that I was being met in my needs, in my body, before I could really start to build upon, you know, my success and like start to attract higher ticket clients, start to be paid what I want to be paid, start to make the kind of money I wanted to make while not, you know, burning myself out, right? And so, you know, it's, it's this, I think this is where a lot of people feel really trapped because we're often taught in manifestation spirituality to like reprogram our limiting beliefs. And I think that has a place, but the pattern I'm describing is below conscious awareness. It's in the body and we can't heal body-based patterns in the mind. And so we actually have to go in and through the body to heal the pattern that's in the body. And so when we have that knowledge, when we have that awareness, we can take little steps and like a really easy practice to start now, if you're resonating with this is just notice what happens in your body. When, for example, someone reaches out to join your program or a client pays you, right? Like, let's say it's a a recurring payment that you always get and you're expecting. How does that feel in your body? Do you actually receive it into your heart space and then let it fill you up? as nourishment. It's money, right? But it's still nourishment. Or do you look at that and your immediate gut reaction is, I need more. I need more. Same thing with love. If you, you know, if you hug your partner or whoever you're dating, or you have like a wild night of sex, 
do you take a moment to savor that and to really let that sink into your body and to appreciate that experience? Or is your immediate feeling in your body, I need more, right? And for me, it was definitely, I need more. And that's, you know, part of where that addiction comes from in abusive relationships. Yeah. And this is so, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm like, holy shit. Cause yeah, even thinking about the over, like I know, right. Because hi, my lived experience that like so much of my unworthiness historically showed up as overachieving and it was, there was always, and even sometimes still now, right. Like, oh, I I achieved this goal, crossed that goal off the list. Okay. on to the next, like, no, I'm not going to like stop and have a big celebration. I'm not going to like no, I'm supposed to do that. So just fucking keep going. Right. So even that I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Like noticing how that showed up for so long in my life. Right. And now, you know, now very much in a habit of celebrating and I'm sure I can be more right. Like celebrate, like when people join your email list, right. Like why not, you know, why not, you know, like a new follower, a new person DMS you like, well, like, and even I, the little things. And I think that's such a powerful way, like an underrated way to build on your abundance, right? Like really noticing and, you know, it comes from the breastfeeding stage, but like digesting, <laughs> like noticing and like receiving and digesting all the abundance that's already coming to you only fills you up with more abundance. And then you become a match for more where a lot of us, where if we're, disconnected because of this pattern in our body and we don't have a felt sense of worthiness in our body felt sense felt in the body a lot of us will you know achieve a goal or receive something and because we don't feel full because we don't feel satisfied we then reach for more and so it's just like training your body to recognize i have enough for now or i have more than enough for now and oh look Another follower, there's more than enough. And oh, look, someone reached out about my program. There's more to receive, right? And just really starting to calibrate your system to recognize that there is so much more. And none of this has to do with your beliefs. And I think that's that's an important distinction because I think sometimes we think, well, I do believe that more than enough is available to me, but I don't feel it, right? If you've ever said that, like, oh, I do believe that it's possible for me to sell out. I believe it. And yet my body feels anxiety right now, right? Like- That's where that's coming from, because there's this deep unmet need that came from early infancy where it wants to reach for that, but it doesn't expect to be met. And if you don't expect to be met in that need, then over time you stop reaching. Right. And you'll never be met because you'll just find what you're expecting. So how then if someone's in that place of like, oh, it's never enough or this new client, whatever, like, how would you start? Like, what would be the like baby starting steps for them to reprogram their like subconscious body. Well, You're like, I mean, this is literally like, this is what Kristen does. So she's just going to give us a little sampler, but I <laughs> highly, highly, highly recommend you check her out. And well, you know, when we're at, done, like she'll say all the places, but like, this is the shit that Kristen does. And she's so fucking good at it. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, it's, it's a long process, but in the beginning stages, first you have to make sure you're actually in your body. Cause some of us are actually above our body from an energetic perspective, mm. we our body, that's another energetic pattern. So any type of like grounding practice to get you into your body 
any type of intuitive movement or, you know, even exercise. Exercise is a great way to get into your body as long as you're not dissociating with the mind, which I know is a really popular way to get a few more reps in. But practicing like actually staying in your muscles, staying in your body when you're exercising or when you're walking. So first you got to be in your body because you can't heal the pattern from outside of your body. And then it's, it's a slow and continuous process of recognizing, oh, my needs are getting met. Oh, even in a small way, I am receiving, right? Like I'm receiving oxygen, right? Like I'm receiving sunshine. I'm receiving food. I'm receiving love from my partner, from a family member or a friend, right? And it's starting to slowly build that awareness that your needs are getting met, even if before you didn't feel like they were. The deeper healing happens when, and and it's really messy, which is, you know, (laughs) I don't want to discourage anyone from doing this work because it is so powerful, but it's definitely not fun. It's like real work, right? Yeah. The, The real healing happens when you actually feel the despair that infant version of you felt when mom wasn't there or when mom wasn't there to give enough nourishment or enough love. You have to actually feel that and move through that slowly, gently in a way that doesn't blow out your nervous system, right? You have to like calibrate gently into it. And then as you move through that despair, the pattern stops being an issue because you stop needing the pattern to fulfill an unconscious need. And that's, that's where all these patterns come from is, you know, in childhood, we had a need, whether it was embodiment or nourishment or love or having our own individual individuated essence, right? Whatever the need was at that particular age, if that need was not met, that developmental need was not met, then these patterns formed in the body as a compensation to try to get the need met. But if we meet the need directly, then we don't need the pattern, right? If we meet the need to feel fulfillment, to feel satisfaction, to feel receiving in the system, to feel love in the system, in the body, if we meet that need directly, we don't have to date a psychopath to get that need met, right? Like we don't have to, we don't have to become a workaholic to get that need met. (laughs) Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And, and like one of the big keys here is that mind body coherence. Cause yeah, if your mind is trying to like heal something that's deeply ingrained in your body on its own, not going to work. Right. So yeah. So that mind body coherence and yeah, y'all like you want big growth. Like it's not all like rainbows and butterflies and like love and light. Right. Like there is dark stuff to go through as well. Okay. Like I love that. So how, like if, so if someone's wanting to like practice feeling more worthy, what are little things they can do in their day? Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to stop looking outside of yourself for this feeling. And I think that's where a lot of us start is we're looking for external validation, Mm -hmm. right? We're looking for the sold out launch or the really hot boyfriend or whatever it is to like validate that we are worthy or even like the outfit or the makeup or whatever. And listen, I'm a bougie bitch. I love all of that stuff, right? I love to adorn myself, but that's not where my worthiness comes from. And for a long time, that is where my worthiness came from. You know, if I had these external things to show my brain, hey, look, the picture looks perfect then I could feel worthy. 
but that's not sustainable long-term because this is real life and there are obstacles and ups and downs and, you know, very real things that can happen that can kind of like knock you out of your perfect little world. And so you have to start by turning back to yourself. And I know you're a practitioner of mirror work, right? Yes. (laughs) One of my favorite things. That can be a great way to even just bring the awareness of like, hi, this is me. I see myself, right? Because some of us don't don't even see ourselves. If we're so deeply ingrained in these patterns, we can't even see ourselves. So even just taking that time to look yourself in the eye and the mirror and just see what comes up. And for me, the first time I ever looked into my own eyes in the mirror, I wanted to look away. Like I didn't want to look at myself. And then I cried a lot. And then I didn't want to look at myself crying. And it was a really, you know, long process. And I bring up mirror work because it's something anyone can do, right? But it was a really long process of being able to actually see myself as I am, not as like this image of perfection, but as I really am and love myself unconditionally. And, you know, that's where self-worth comes from. It comes from this deep self-love. Like how much can you love yourself exactly as you are before the hot boyfriend comes, before you hit the next million dollar milestone, before someone else says that they love your content so much on social media, right? Like how can you love yourself in those moments when nothing is happening to validate you externally? And that's really where self-worth comes from. Absolutely. And with that too, everyone listening, right? Like Loving yourself completely where you're at now does not mean you can't also want to be simultaneously stepping into a new version of yourself, right? Yeah, but like the only way you get to that next level, like in an aligned way is by loving like exactly where you're at right now. And I had, um, because I, I, today's, I just have a lot of life admin details that I'm managing right now where I'm like, (laughs) like, it's like, property stuff, house stuff, like investment stuff, just like a lot of that kind of like random like things to cross off the list. And I was feeling very stressed about it this morning. And I started, I had like a little cry. I forget where, what was I even doing? I like ran an errand or something and I'm walking back into the house and I had a little cry or something. And I, I said something like my life, like having a little pity moment of like, my life feels hard right now. And it's frustrating, like right now being the hour I was talking about. Right. And then I said something like to myself, like almost in like a mean way of like, well, you are living exactly the life that you want. Right. Cause like, who, like, Hey, when the like emotionally intelligent, like you comes out as a bitch to yourself, Hey, this is the exact life that you want and that you're okay living. So shut the fuck up was pretty much like my self-talk. And then I'm like, one, let's get some perspective. Yeah, I'm living exactly the life that I want. And my life is really fucking awesome, actually. Like, I'm stressed about a few very minor things right now. My life is really fucking awesome. And then reminded myself, hey, that also means that, like, whatever life that I want, that are things that I don't feel like I'm wanting right now or have right now that I want, like, I'm in complete control of that. So, like, yeah, that, like, snarky comment, true, right? (laughs) But also like there's beauty in that if said with a very different tone, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And so it's, it's not like for me with what you were saying, you know, like I can't like be pissed at myself for like the few things that are stressing me out. Right. Cause like I'm the cause of everything in my life. And if there are things that piss me off, then I'm like, great. Then I'm also the cause of changing all those things. But the, 
the resistance to whatever version of yourself you are now or whatever's going on in your life now, like does not help, right? That doesn't mean you have to like the stuff that you don't like right now. You don't have to force yourself to be inauthentic in your lived experience, but being like, okay, there's how I'm feeling about this thing. Great. How do I shift to either get that feeling like it's in an alignment or remove it and pursue things that are more within myself and then the externals. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really good point. Like sometimes that like divine masculine voice that cuts through the bullshit and is like, well, <laughs> well you're, Jake, girl, you're in charge of your reality. <laughs> you don't like this? Well, you did it. <laughs> sometimes it can come out a little snarky. And I think there's something fun with that where we, we can actually like love the snarky one and we can love you know, we can love the one who like wants to have a bad day so she can have her pity party and, you know, be the victim for a hot moment. And then we can also love the snarky one who's like, but you can do anything you want to change this. And I think it's just recognizing like, we don't get closer to our goals by cutting ourselves down. Maybe we have up to a certain point, like maybe that was our strategy. You know, actually, this is a huge thing that my my husband is currently working through and trying to get better at himself, you know, the way he became successful, he's in the medical field. A lot of that is like shaming medical professionals get through all the shit they have to go through with very authoritative leaders and mentors and teachers that, you know, frankly, shame the underlings, the residents, the fellows. Right. And, you know, we were talking about it earlier this week about, you know, what he was proud of. and, And he even said like, I hesitate to say I'm proud of myself because, you know, like the attending, you know, definitely wasn't proud of me, but I am proud of myself. And it's recognizing that cutting ourselves down can get us successful up to a certain point or can get us to a place of alignment up to a certain point. But there is a point where it stops working. There is a point where your trauma patterns will not take you any further. Yes. And the only way to move through that is to love, love those parts of you and, and move through everything that they came from and that they brought up within you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it, okay. So question on that. Cause I used to, we're not going to be surprised at this, but be very motivated and like perform very well under pressure of like, like the fear pressure, right? Like, and that shame pressure and like, Oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to like be bad or whatever it is. So that like, avoiding pain, right? Rather than chasing pleasure. So like my motivation used to be very much, and a lot of the time still is the avoidance of pain rather than the pursuit of pleasure. And especially it's been interesting to witness that in the last like two years when my comfort zone, like quantum leaped. And I'm like, oh, my comfort zone is like what I used to like really want and what used to seem so far away. And now that's my comfort zone. So like the pain of my comfort zone is not that fucking painful most of the time. Right. And so like, how do people shift to be more motivated by the pleasure? So that's my question. But as I'm saying that too, like even for myself, like if I were coaching myself, right. And especially too, with like my own human design, right. Is also like part of my human design is being very motivated by fear, but not necessarily always in a bad way right? Like I can use that really effectively, but also like not wanting that to be like what gets the most results, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, <sighs> like that's stressful and <laughs> not always fun. 
Yeah. But I used to have to like, you know, I had a, a few times where I'd be like, all right, like I'll just like, uh, I had a time last year where I was like, mm, I'm not going to work very much. Like I don't really need to lately. So I'm just going to, you know, and then letting things slow down until I'm like, Ooh, now things don't feel good. So I'm going to buckle down and make a fuck ton of shit happen. Right. Like, and I'm like, Oh, interesting that that's not now, but like was like even just a year ago, like still yeah. a pattern. I was like, Oh, I still need to be motivated by scarcity. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a shift that takes place. Right. So a lot of us are motivated by fear, shame, you know, proving ourselves, whatever it is, because that's how our childhood went. Right. And so, you know, we, we feel most comfortable in those patterns because that's how our whole life has operated. Like not even a week ago, I was on a zoom call with my family and my dad said to my husband, you know, Ralph, you make sure you relax, take some time off, enjoy your weekend. And then he looked at me and he said to me, Kristen, work harder. And it's like, just, and you know, I, I've, I've definitely processed that pattern within myself, but it was just kind of funny to observe like that such, such a clear conditioning that came from my parents, which was, you always have to be working harder. And when you're a child and that's conditioned into you, and it can be as simple as them saying, like, you have to do well in school. You have to get straight A's. You have to do all your homework before you can, you know, play before you can hang out with your friends. Right that conditioning, you you start to associate that with love. And so for a long time, a lot of us can be motivated by the fear of a loss of love, which is where that comes from, right? Like if I slow down, I'm going to lose love. So we can be motivated by that for a while and it can get us really fucking far. Like it really can. There's like billionaires out there that are motivated by this pattern. Like it can get you as far as you want it to get you. But if you want to actually like have peace and safety and stability and joy in your life and in your body, you have to start recognizing that the love isn't going to go away. Right. And again, it's a somatic process of feeling the universal flow of unconditional love, feeling the universal flow of safety and stability that the earth itself provides for you and starting to trust that more and more in the body. Because when we're in the body and we actually trust those universal energies, we don't need to be motivated by fear because we feel so safe. But if we haven't calibrated to that yet, then that safety can actually feel unsafe because there's still this younger child version of us that thinks we're going to lose everything, meaning love, if we slow down, if we do less, if we do it in a way that's easier, right? Like a lot of us are addicted to stress and chaos and creating stress and chaos, even when we don't necessarily need to, simply because we don't trust that it can be easy. And it's kind of sad when we think about it in terms of like society as a whole, like how many of us are driven by lack, scarcity, loss of love and recognizing that if we just started to learn how to love ourselves and to feel the love in our own body and, and really calibrate to deeper feelings of well-being in that and like safety in that, we could accomplish so much more and with so much more ease and relaxation. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Establishing safety in your own body. And there's like so many ways to do that, but even just, you know, you said like, you know, feeling the support of the earth under your feet, right? Like go lay out like on the front lawn for a bit and be like, oh, I'm like, 
I have all the oxygen I need. My body is healthy. Like the earth is fully supporting me, like all that. And of course the logical brain can easily be like, yeah, but it's laying out on the lawn, paying the fucking bills. Right. But <laughs> even just practicing, right. Or you get in your car and you're like, amazing. My car is paid at least up until whatever point. Right. Or yeah. like completely paid for, or like, look at, I have all the gas that I need in the tank. Like I'm so supported. Right. And, and then down-regulating your nervous system, like taking breaths to anchor in those feelings of safety wherever, wherever you can. Right. And it's like, so, about before like it's it's noticing what's already here and like actually appreciating it savoring it digesting it like letting it sink into your body and actually truly feeling it before looking for the catastrophe and slowly slowly down regulating the search for the catastrophe which comes from trauma I mean right we talked about trauma in terms of abusive relationships but trauma happens to all of us right like The pattern that happens during the breastfeeding stage, that could happen to anyone. Anyone could experience mom not being there for, you know, 70% of the time, which I think is the statistic, like mom has to meet the reach 70% of the time for the pattern to not form. So if your mom worked, you know, when you were six months old, I would guess every American has that pattern. And so trauma is not always you know, something really big and scary. It could be something really benign if it happens in early childhood. Right. Yeah. And so interesting to like, you know, the perspective about it as well. And like, as, as we're talking about this, the stuff right today that was stressing me out, the shift, the opposite of being so grateful for that. Like I'm stressed over things related to me owning multiple homes. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding? Like, (laughs) that's so like when I say it that way and even my friend that I you know was having like a meltdown I was like stressed so I'm crying and then of course like you know one of my and I'm sure many people's patterns when you're stressed about one thing or two things let's look for everything else I can be stressed about like that (laughs) used to be my fucking downward spiral growing up and then I'm like burn it all down right and so I'm like on the phone with my friend like freaking out I'm like and I literally said I was like you know as I say this out loud I realize it's not as stressful as it feels to me right? (laughs) And so, so yeah, so like that perspective shift and how can you be grateful for the stuff that's stressing you out as well, or the stuff that's triggering you? Like, right. Like where's the gratitude moment in that? And where's the lesson in it as well? One of the things that I want to talk to before we, as we're getting ready to wrap up here is you've mentioned before that your sexuality is one of your superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) And that you really like came into a big sexual awakening, you know, since meeting your husband and stuff, I would love to like, I mean, I'm always like one, just tell me more, but like, (laughs) how do you really channel and use your sexual energy, like in various ways, like whether it's in your business, your life, you name it aside from just sex. And I know actually last week we talked about a little bit of sex magic manifestation, But we should talk about that too. But yeah, tell us more about how you really like use that superpower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, first up, like sex magic or using your sexual energy, like it's really like filling up your pleasure, right? And pleasure can be found in sex, but it can also be found in food, you know, like really savoring a delicious strawberry or, you know, we were talking about steak and truffles or even listening to music, like pleasure is found in our five senses. So sight, sound taste, touch, smell. I think I got them all. (laughs) So, you know, 
if you're comfortable and if, if you've done a lot of sexual healing, if that's something that you've needed, then of course you can use sex magic in the most obvious sense, but you can also use it in terms of living an orgasmic life, right? So how can you create more opportunities to be like right on the edge of your pleasure all throughout the day? Yeah. And the way I experience it is that's how I'm going to be living at my next goal, right? We think that the the money or whatever it is, is going to bring us that pleasure. But the truth is, if we actually sit down and think about it, and we think about, okay, what does an extra million or what does an extra 500k feel like in my body? It feels mostly the same, right? Like it, it kind of feels mostly the same. Maybe you feel a little safer. Maybe you feel a little more grounded. Maybe you feel a little more supported. Maybe you feel more excited. But I think the real difference is we think we're going to treat ourselves differently at that moment, right? Like we think, oh, well, I'll have more time to take baths or I'll have more time to just do whatever the fuck I want because there's so much money or I'll be able to really like treat myself to all the beauty things, lashes, you know, hair, all the things I want. Right. And some of those things cost money, but a lot of those things don't. Right. Right. A lot of the things that we think we're going to feel at the next goal, we could feel now by tuning into our pleasure more often. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's just recognizing that I don't have to wait for the next goal to feel all the good feelings that I want to feel. And in fact, it can actually come faster because I'm more surrendered when I'm in my pleasure. And I think that's the biggest piece is when you're truly like tuned into your pleasure in the present moment, you're feeling, let's take sex, for example, you're feeling every sensation, you're feeling the breath, you're feeling the heat, you're feeling the connection, you're feeling the turn on, right? When you're so deeply tuned in and tapped into your pleasure, you're so surrendered, right? Like there's no control. There's no manipulating outcomes. There's no trying to earn your pleasure, right? Like here's a really good example for manifestation. Have you ever tried to like force your orgasm to happen sooner than it was supposed to? And you're like tensing up your muscles to try and like make it happen because yes. you're like, let's get it over yes. with. And then it happens and you're like really disappointed because that's not what an orgasm is. Yeah, you're like, that that's it. Yeah. Wait, more. <laughs> Versus when you have that like total body relaxation and whether it's a solo session or you're you're with a partner. And you really take your time and there's no rush Mm -hmm. and there's no need to force it. It gets to happen when it gets to happen. And you're so deeply surrendered to all the sensations. That's when you have the like 60 second or I've heard of people having 60 minute mind blowing orgasms, right? Like whenever we try to force something because we want it to come faster, it's never as satisfying. And so, you know, being in your pleasure and like really allowing yourself to experience all the things that you experience when you're truly tuned in and tapped into your pleasure. It allows you to be more surrendered and have a much bigger orgasm, whether that's a moneygasm or yes. <laughs> you know, an actual orgasm or, you know, receiving the notification that your housing offer was accepted, right? Like it could be for literally any manifestation you're trying to call in. 
it's just a beautiful way to surrender and feel good and and not have to overthink it, you know? Yeah. And you guys, like we've talked about this so much. I mean, so many things, right? Like when you're tapped into that sacral energy, sexual energy center, you become way more magnetic, right? Like so powerful. And when you feel good, right? Like when you experience pleasure in whatever way, sexual or not, when you experience pleasure and you're feeling good, you're vibrating higher. So therefore more magnetic too. So yes to more pleasure and yes to activating that sexual energy, using that sexual energy and for so many things, not just, not just sex, right? Like I've talked about that on episodes so many times. Uh, I was just gonna say, when you're filled up on pleasure, you're less likely to feel that not enough pattern, right? Like a lot of not enough pattern comes because we're deprived, Mm. right? Like we're deprived of pleasure. We're deprived of attention. We're deprived of love. And so the more you romance yourself and you love up on yourself and you fill yourself up with pleasure, the less likely that pattern is going to come into play. Yes. Yes. Okay. Last thing, because I know we're like right at time. So last thing you've said that good girls don't become millionaires, bad bitches do. What do you mean by that? (laughs) Yeah. So the good girl archetype is something I think, at least in the United States, pretty much every girl is conditioned to be a good girl, right? And being a good girl means you put other people's needs ahead of your own. You don't take up too much space. You you know, you love on others, you make sure everyone else is served, right? But the bad bitch serves herself first, right? The bad bitch, yes. the bad bitch knows what she wants and what she needs. And she is willing to raise her standards and expect people to meet her there, right? The good girl is afraid to even claim her needs or to say that she wants to raise her standards because she's afraid of people not loving her or people not meeting her at that higher standard. And so, you know, when we go from good girl to bad bitch, we get so much of our worthiness and power back because we're no longer relying on others to rescue us, right? We start to become empowered in our own our own self-worth, our own power, our own potency, our own femininity, and we expect people to meet us at higher and higher levels. Whereas when we're still the good girl, we're still waiting for fucking Prince Charming to come and rescue Mm -hmm. us because we're maybe too afraid to set that standard and be unwavering in it. And as you know, as a very successful person, you can't be wavering in your desires. You can't go back and forth. You can't be halfway in, halfway out. You got to be all the way in. And so if you're you're wanting to be wildly successful, if you're wanting to be that millionaire, you got to kind of kill the good girl identity within you (laughs) with love, of course. Yeah, you have to be absorber. Yeah, and you have to be willing to step into this bad bitch energy, which a lot of girls are not conditioned to be. Right, like the reason why it's called a bad bitch, the reason why I labeled it as a bad bitch, is because that's what the experience is, right? And if you're like afraid of being called a bitch, then that means part of you is afraid of that fierceness. Yes, afraid of that power but you're worthy of having that fierceness and that power. You're not supposed to shrink down. You're supposed to be in your fullness of your expression and you're supposed to shine as bright as anyone, if not brighter, right? Like you're supposed to be a big fucking deal. It's only yes. thing that made you yeah. think that you had to hide and serve everyone else before yourself. And fuck that exactly. noise. 
<laughs> exactly. And there's nothing wrong or like, you know, we're saying bad bitch playfully, like there's nothing bad or bitchy about making sure you are filled up first and your needs are met first and foremost. That's the only way you can show up fully for everyone else and everything else in your life. Absolutely. And I think it's important because you're, you're right. Like it doesn't mean you're a bitch, but I like using that word because I think it clues people into the energy that they're not letting themselves feel, which is yes. like bitch energy. You know what the fuck you want and you're not going to waver. You're going to get mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. People and don't fuck with you. People don't fuck with you. Right. And I think a lot of women are afraid to step into that because of the label of bitch. But if you own that label, if you wear mm-hmm. that like a motherfucking crown, then then you get to step into this power in a bigger, bolder way and achieve a lot more success. Yes, yes, yes. Hell yes, bad bitches. Okay, (laughs) on that note, and everybody, like as we mentioned, all this stuff, like Kristen is such an expert on all of this, reprogramming, manifesting you, energetics, like feeling safe in your body. Like I I could keep going. So absolutely follow her. Absolutely hit her up if something resonated with you. And Kristen, where can everybody find you? And if someone's like, shit, I need this, like what programs do you have going on? How can people work with you? All of that. Yeah. So kristencipriano.com. I just changed my name from Kaczynski to Cipriano because I got married. (laughs) Um, Also on Instagram at Kristen Cipriano. That's probably the easiest way to connect with me and see what I have going on. I'm always selling different offers based on what my bad bitch energy is telling me the world needs. So (laughs) feel free to slide into my DMs and connect there. Yeah. And then I also have a podcast right now. It's under the label soul expansion. We are going to rebrand it, but go ahead and check that out. If you're just wanting to learn more from me for free. And I hope you'll reach out to me on Instagram and slide into my DMs. I can't yes. wait to do it. You guys do it. Thank you so much for round two, right? We even covered new things, which is so fun. And, and I, I know I said this last time we talked in the forgotten episode that will never be heard, but like, I just fucking love your energy and your spiciness and like, you're, you're so good at what you do. So thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your stories, wisdom, heart, authenticity, all of that with the audience today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic.